Welcome to this episode of IG Talk with Robert Smallwood, where we feature interviews with information governance leaders around the world, as well as discussions of IG news, events, and best practices. Welcome to the first episode of the IG Business Report, where we'll talk about venture funding, mergers and acquisition, and related topics in the information governance space. Today, we're going to review some of the latest funding that has gone into software companies in the IG space, particularly in the privacy management software side, as well as cybersecurity, which Barry Brisecki will cover. Barry, are you there? Hey, good morning, Robert. I'm here. Looking forward to the conversation. Very good. So I've picked out four vendors in privacy to to review, and uh, these are some of the most recent uh, big chunks that have flowed into the the privacy software space. One is uh, Big ID, and if you haven't heard of them, they're kind of a a, a growing 800-pound gorilla. Check this out. They raised $50 million in new funding from Tiger Global less than three months after raising $50 million in Series C. So they've done, you know, uh, it says here, $144 million raised in less than two years. With that, Big ID has established itself as a leader in privacy-centric data discovery and intelligence to help enterprises automate privacy compliance activities like data access rights, data sharing management, and consent governance. And then it goes on to mention um, what about every uh, press release in this space mentions, which is uh, the Consumer Privacy Act becoming law in 2020 and the new state and global regulations set uh, set to follow after that, um, which will make it even you know, tighter and, and, and greater demand in the U.S. Of course, this all started with the European General Data Protection Regulation last uh, May, which went to effect uh, last May in 2020. 18, actually, a year ago last May now. And here's a statement from Dimitri Sorota, the CEO and co-founder of Big ID, which is actually based out of, was originally out of Tel Aviv, Israel, where they've got a lot of big incubator and a lot of uh, startup companies. And then they have offices in New York. So Mr. Sorota says, before Big ID, data privacy was largely about privacy, privacy and, I'm sorry, policy and process. Big ID put data at the center, redefining how enterprises find, manage, and protect their most important asset, their customer and employee data. The new funding reflects the success Big ID has achieved with customers and partners in a few short years and positions the company to maintain its innovation leadership for years to come. And some highlights of their past two years, 2019 sales growth four times over 2018. 44 million raised in 2018, followed by 100 million in 2019. Introduced the first-of-its-kind identity correlation technology for finding and mapping personal data to any person across any data source. Introduced the first data access request fulfillment technology into the privacy market, automating CCPA and GDPR data rights. Now, remember, this is their press release, so we don't we haven't uh, you know verified all this. They're probably competition would probably have um, maybe some counter arguments on that. But they did win the 2018 RSA Innovation Sandbox, followed by 17 other awards. So it looks like they're well on their way. They've got $144 million. They can sure, certainly uh, take off and go with that. That's a, a big chunk. And then let's go to last November. And actually, I was in uh, New York doing an event with this company, Active Navigation, uh, Peter Bauman, their CEO, was speaking at our event there, and it was a very successful 
event with Doug Laney speaking on infonomics and data monetization and uh, Rich Kessler from KPMG talking about uh, his sensitive data security model. And, uh, Neil Calvert from New Zealand presented his software for information governance modeling. And we had a, a good day with, you know, some New York CIOs, CDOs, and some top people. So ActiveNav, and this is when I found out about it. He found out the day before, this was early November, that uh, they'd just gotten this funding. It was the first money from institutional investors that Active Navigation has gotten. And it's $11 million in funding led by the venture firm Mobius. And this comes on the back of, uh, in this press release, Active Navigation Strong Growth, adding some of the world's best-known brands such as BAE Systems, U.S. Marine Corps, and uh, Voya Financial. But they're going to roll out a new SAS product, and so a cloud-based product to scale operations and continue to expand uh, internationally. Of course, everybody loves SAS. Uh, SAS gets uh, you know a lot of attention when it comes to funding. And Peter, ActiveNav CEO, stated that consumers are demanding better protection of their personal information. As a result, there's a pressing need for companies to prioritize data privacy in all their business operations. ActiveNav has an exciting opportunity in front of it, which was the catalyst for this infusion of capital. Uh, this investment will help us advance product development and scale rapidly to support our customers with data mapping, data minimization, and regulatory compliance. So they're scaling up. They've been hiring people, and they were they stated in here that with this new money, they're going to open a, an office in New York and Los Angeles, which is probably maybe one of the reasons they were doing that event with us in New York. So uh, they're based out of the UK originally, and after, uh, I guess, what Peter was saying, they were maybe a little early in the market. He said he thought they were eight years too early, but they got a big deal at the Marine Corps and established a headquarters near uh, Washington, D.C. in the U.S., and they have operations in Europe as well as uh, Australia. But the interesting thing is, Barry, I mean, we've always known Active Navigation as a file analysis vendor. Right, which is yeah, you know, that's being, right. being, being able to go out and um, you know find all your maybe credit card data or personally identifiable information or whatever it might be, and to do what's called rot cleanup, which is to clean up redundant, outdated, and trivial information. Um, I know that Peter Bauman says it should be redundant, obsolete, and trivial information, but I'd like to argue the semantics of that. I think information is 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 outdated before it's obsolete and when it's outdated it needs to go uh but uh, actually in, interesting now get this uh, active nav tried to trademark that that phrase redundant obsolete and trivial but he said it, i guess it didn't go through so that was kind of interesting and uh you know they've grown fast and they've got you know they've, they've added a lot of customers and uh they've got a good team over there well, the whole thing with information governance projects is you need to have an, an inventory, and it wasn't really going so fast. To start out, you need to have, do data mapping and inventory your assets. But um, once this whole privacy thing kicked in in 2018, the first step in a privacy management program really is data mapping, so you can understand where all of this personally identifiable information and protected health information or credit card information, which is PCI, where that lives so that you can lock it down and protect it. Um, a fortunate turn in the market for active navigation. Interestingly, in their press release, they never mentioned the words file analysis. So they've made a pivot there. That's for sure. The uh, interesting uh, where they go in the future. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, see how they fare. 
And then here's a, you're up in Seattle right now, huh, Barry? I am in Seattle, yes. What's the weather like? Oh, it's gray. We're looking at snow in the next couple it's of days. It's gray. It's gray. That's like, what, 90% of the time up there, right? <laughs> gray and rainy, and uh, the we have high wind warnings for tomorrow. Uh, the snow is projected to come down between uh, one and 2,000 feet. So, How, how many be... feet up are you? I'm at about 450, so oh. I'm not going well, might not. Might, you might get a little blanket. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, this company is Seattle-based startup Integris Software and uh, is riding the trend for the California Consumer Privacy Act, which just went into effect uh, January 1st, just a week ago. And uh, actually, it can't be enforced until July, I believe. And a new SEC filing reveals, reveals that the company just raised another $3 million. And investors in that round include their resisting backers, plus work, uh, which is Workday Ventures, Madonna, Madrana Venture Group, Amplify Partners, and Aspect Ventures, which led an earlier $10 million round last year. So they got $10 million last year, and they got another $3 million this year. That's uh, pretty small when it, you compare that to the $144 million that Big ID raised up, raised. And then the CEO, uh, Christina Bergman, stated, this funding round will help Integra Software meet the accelerating demand to help more customers prepare for the CCPA deadline, have a real understanding of their data, and be ready to respond quickly and confidently to data subject requests to remain in compliance with regulations. So down here, and interestingly, in their press release, they say a recent study found that companies would spend up to $55 billion in initial compliance costs for the CCPA. So there's $55 billion laying out there. But what it doesn't say is, is that in the next year or is it in the next two years or how long is that going to take? I mean, probably mostly it's in the next year to, to and, and, and it's, uh, you know, fast approaching the enforcement deadline by July. So they probably have all the business that they can handle. Ms. Bergman was previously a principal at Ignition Partners and a manager at Microsoft out of Seattle, of course, co-founded with Integris, Integris with Raghu Gulamudi. Uh, who's now the chief technology officer and um, a competitor there in the Seattle market is Preclusion, which is similar to Integris, which just graduated from the Y Combinator, which I believe is uh, an incubator. And it states other competitors include Big ID and One Trust. So let's go to One Trust, which is has been kind of an 800 pound gorilla in this market. They were based out of London. They're only three years old. They raised $200 million last July, and that valued their company at $1.3 billion. This is for Series A. Series A, that means in the venture world, that's the first round of funding they've gotten from external funders. And $200 million is a big chunk. Even in their press release, it says it's an outsized round for Series A being made an equally sized evaluation, especially considering companies only three years old. But their CEO, Kabir Bardet, B-A-R-D-A-Y, said that uh, we're talking about an operational overhaul in companies' practices that requires the right technology to reach and be able to deliver at a low cost. Notably, he said OneTrust wasn't actually in search of funding. It's already generating enough revenue. It could have grown off its own balance sheet. Hey, we don't need the money, but we'll take it and grow faster. Although he noted that having the capitalization backing sends a signal to the market and in particular larger organizations of its stability and staying power. And currently, OneTrust has 3,000 customers in across 100 countries 
and the plan is to continue to expand its reach geographically. They already have 50 patents filed. That's where a lot of that value looks like it's coming from. So they did a lot of development up front, apparently. Somebody must have funded that. And another 50 uh, patent applications in process. So there's carrying your own IP. And you, you actually have a patent yourself. You know that that's not an easy process, huh, Barry? It took us five years to actually prosecute that patent. So uh, intellectual property is uh, is valuable and hard to come by. And didn't you say that they slowed down a lot of these uh, the US patent, patent applications? Yes, that's true. The U.S. Uh, PTO has really put the brakes on the granting of software patents. The idea is that you can code it a variety of different ways. And since there's so many different ways to do the same thing, granting any one company a patent for a piece of software is uh, something that they're very uh, they're, they're holding the reins on. Yeah, they're, hes they're hesitant to do now, so it's tough to get one. Tougher than it used to be. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Partly, partly was because I think patent trolls were just patenting things here and there, and then going out and suing everybody. So let's let's uh, slide over to the cybersecurity side of things. You got some companies that have got some capital to to grow with, Barry. I do. Uh, one company is uh, Secure Code Warrior. Uh, they just raised uh, $46 million in Series B funding. And what they do is they uh, are looking at the coding platforms that developers use and trying to encourage the developers to have a security mindset as they're actually creating new programs. So uh, they want to make the, uh, the coder, the program Security by design. Security, security by design, huh? Yeah, security by design. So, Pierre uh, Dianhu, the security code warrior CEO, says that as organizations around the world increase their reliance on software, the need for secure code has never been more important. Each day, security breaches resulting from previously unknown software vulnerabilities occur, impacting both individuals and organizations. So Security war Code Warrior's vision is to make the developers that first line of defense and provide them with the skills and tools they need to write secure code from the beginning. Now, this is their second round of funding. So obviously at uh, $47 million, uh, they're doing something that the venture capital investment community thinks is, uh, is a good step forward. Where are they based out of? They are based out of the U.K., Oh, okay. And yep. I imagine offices in the U.S., huh? They have uh, 180 customers in 28 countries around the world. And so they have uh, offices in Argentina, Peru, South Korea, of course, the U.S., uh, the U.K., and Australia as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. You got another one? The next uh, company I'd like to share uh, is CyberCube Analytics. And th this company just raised $35 million in Series B funding. And what they specialize in is a cyber risk, risk analytics platform with a focus on third-party risk. So a lot of people might think that uh, cybersecurity is all about the risk inherent in their own corporate IT infrastructure. But in fact, in today's global economy, Companies rely on third-party vendors for many of the components they use to make their products. And so 
CyberCube Analytics has come up with a platform that allows the evaluation of this third-party risk. And so again, that was $35 million in Series B funding. And they uh, that funding came from uh, HSCM Bermuda and Forgepoint, Forgepoint Capital. So Pascal Mier, the CEO of CyberCube, says that Cyber represents one of the greatest market opportunities in the history of property and casualty insurance. And CyberCube's mission is to deliver the world's leading cyber risk analytics solution, which is, will enable insurance institutions to take advantage of this opportunity in a data-driven way. One of the investors went on to say, uh, so Michael Millette, who is uh the lead investor at HSCM says cyber risk is a huge opportunity for the global insurance sector that will require significant capital to support that growth. So this idea of third-party risk is one element of the cybersecurity insurance story. And I think that uh, as we look forward into 2020 and the decade of the, you know, the 20s, we're going to see the uh, evolution of the cybersecurity risk industry, which leads me to the third company I want to talk about, which is uh, CyberGRX. Now, they just closed a $40 million Series D investment, which was led by I Iconic IQ Capital. This Series D round leads to uh, over $100 million in funding totally. They are in this global cyber risk exchange business. So they're actually trying to create a, an exchange business, which is one of the things that insurance companies do to kind of level out their risk. And their investors include Allegis Cyber, Bessemer Venture Partners, the Blackstone Group, Clear Sky, Mass Mutual, Scale Ventures, and a variety of other companies that were part of this $40 million round in funding. So, uh, wow. so we can see those, these market spaces are hot and, and capital is flowing in. And, and actually, I think that that gives me an idea for another episode we could explore with some cyber risk uh, attorneys and, and insurance professionals, maybe uh, the impact of some of that uh, software that's being ramped up that we, you just discussed. It's definitely a hot market, and you can imagine that the insurance companies all want to properly evaluate their risk. Of course, we know that the threats are continuing to evolve, so these risk analysis platforms will require continual updates in order to keep tr uh, pace with the threats as they evolve. Absolutely. Okay, very good. So that wraps up uh, the first Information Governance Business Report of 2020. If you have ideas for topics, send them to us, and we'd be glad to entertain it. And with that, see you all next time. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of IG Talk, which features interviews of IG leaders, as well as IG news, events, and best practices. Listen in next time. This is Robert Smallwood.